We are continuing with part four of our seven-week series called Life in Exile, Thriving in a COVID-19 World. And I hope that you have been encouraged through this teaching series. We have been adding to our faith, goodness, knowledge, and self-control. And today, this morning, we are going to be adding perseverance. Our scripture, again, comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We have been memorizing the scripture. We want to have it on recall. We want to be able to pull it out at any time that we need it. And so I want you to repeat the bolded section after me part by part. And then afterwards, we'll read the rest of the passage together in one voice. Let's go. For this very reason, make every effort. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. Okay, one more. Here we go. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. Okay, now let's read the rest together. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good job. I hope that's helping you. The five of the four of us that are in here are helping me read the scripture back to me to pace it out. So thanks, team. I appreciate you a lot. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. And I pray that you'd speak to us today, that we would learn the heart of perseverance, that we would persevere through the valleys and the rivers and the obstacles that we face in this life. Lord, we know that we have a hope in you. And we're on a journey. In fact, we're on a race. And we want to win the prize that is set before us. We want to be at the end of the race and see that we have won heaven's reward, that we are with you, God. And so, Father, I pray that nothing would disqualify us from living this life for you. Father, we want your help this morning. We want to understand what you're speaking to our hearts through the scriptures. So open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes, that we may receive your word and apply it to our lives. We love your word. And the word of God today is unchained. And so, Lord, we declare it in this place together. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Well, how many people are ready for COVID-19 to come to an end? Oh, there should be a big yes at home. See, I'm an extrovert. I love to be with people. I'm a city guy. I love to travel. And COVID-19 has put a total damper on all of my plans. 
Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I'm learning the truth of that scripture. And while there is hope that things will slowly return to a normal and return for good, we need to ask ourselves a deeper question this morning. What is God trying to teach us through this crisis? What is God trying to teach you through this crisis? I believe that answer is here today. That answer is perseverance. Friends, the struggle is real. Certainly, there are worse things that could happen like a war, persecution, famine, drought, natural disasters. So when we compare our lives to all these things, we consider ourselves blessed people. Whoever this event has had an impact on our freedom. This event has had an impact on our community. This event has had an impact on our health and our mental health. And I think we all have a lot of questions about God's role in the midst of this crisis. We've been praying for all of this to come to an end. But why has God not intervened yet? Why does it seem like God is ignoring our prayers? Is he silent? Is he not interested in hearing the prayers of his people and answering them? Well, perseverance is the ability to correct one's own theology by debunking the belief that God is late and operating with the belief that God is on time. In fact, he's always on time. It is the understanding that God has appointed the seasons and the times. And COVID-19 is not outside of his purview. He has allowed it to come to pass for a divine purpose. You see, in the words of Michael Rosen's 1989 children's book, we're going on a bear hunt. Perseverance means that we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no, we've got to go through it. Christians, I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Friends, don't give up. You see, the grand narrative of Scripture is still unfolding because we have not reached the end times as yet. For every day that we persevere, we are one day closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the hope of every believer. I am waiting with great anticipation in my heart for the second coming of Jesus. I hope you have that urgency too. This morning, I want to examine some biblical metaphors that will motivate us to persevere. And the first is this, perseverance as a result. Perseverance as a result. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, we find a short list that we can compare with the larger list in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7. The scripture says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. When I was a young boy... I used to go to church on uh, Wednesday weekday evening to the BG Club, the Boys and Girls Club. And I proudly wore my blue sash at each event, and I was determined to perform different tasks and difficult tasks so that I would be awarded with a new badge. And every time I would get to receive a new badge, I'd go home and my mom would sew the new badge on, and it would give me the sense of accomplishment that I've actually done something difficult. Today, I would think that we would like to gain the badge of perseverance while bypassing any kind of difficulty. In other words, we want a trait to be bestowed upon us without having done the work to earn it. And yes, faith does come freely. You need to know that it is a free gift from God. But works comes additionally. Works 
is additional to our faith. James 2.26 reminds us that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. God expects that we will work out our salvation. And God expects to add perseverance to our faith. It is naive to believe that we can live this life without struggle or suffering. In fact, it is affliction and suffering that produce perseverance within us. This is a production of God. And according to Romans 5, 3 to 4, perseverance is the very prerequisite for character and hope. There is no other way around it. If you want to have character, if you want to have hope, the way to get to that destination is to go through perseverance. So we miss out on much more if we're not adding perseverance to our faith. The Apostle Paul's words are still speaking to us today. I truly believe that. And he advises us to glory in our suffering. What does he mean by this? To glory in our suffering. Is he suggesting that we pretend that suffering does not exist? Is he suggesting that we pretend to enjoy suffering in a sadistic way? No, instead he is telling us to order our life in its proper perspective in light of the glory that awaits us in heaven. There is one thing we can boast about. It is the hope of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to boast in anything, boast in Jesus today. Not only does our suffering help us identify with the suffering of Jesus Christ, but if Christ gave us salvation when we didn't deserve it, how much more will Christ give us the hope of glory when we feel so far away from it? In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, Paul explained, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is, what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Fix your eyes on the eternal things. Friends, that means that COVID-19 will not last forever. That's a great time to say amen. So this crisis was permitted by God in order to produce a specific trait in you that could not be produced any other way. Let me say that again. This crisis was permitted by God in order to produce a specific trait in you that could not be produced any other way. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. You need to reinterpret this moment in your life as a growth opportunity. And while you pray that COVID-19, this virus, would be destroyed in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus, I want you to simultaneously grow in the virtue of perseverance. You see, James, the brother of Jesus, he encouraged believers in James 1, 2 to 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, faith is coupled always with perseverance. And when we undergo faith tests in our lives and we persevere through them, we become more mature in Christ. We become more complete in Jesus Christ. And so, friends, God is letting you go through whatever you are going through today because he alone knows what lies ahead of you. And let Christ produce perseverance in you today. Second point this morning is perseverance as a race. 
Perseverance as a race. Our life is described in the Bible as a spiritual race. And with a backdrop of Greco-Roman culture, the New Testament authors were well aware of the ancient Olympic Games. The author of Hebrews 12, 1-2 writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes again on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. By looking back at all of those who have gone before us and have finished their race, both in the Bible and the people that we've known during our lives, we are then inspired to run our race. And Jesus is both the start line and the finish line. You see, that perseverance that he forms in us is part of his perfecting of our faith. And you need perseverance in order to make it from the start line to the finish line. You can't make it any other way. Because anything short of the end is to be disqualified from the race. And I don't want any of you to be disqualified from this race. The Apostle Paul said something similar in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not, like, I do not run like someone aim, running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Perseverance is part of God's strict training for his athletes. We are his athletes in the race. And no one runs to receive a participation badge. I don't know. I had a lot of those when I was a kid. Participation badge. I never had first or second or third. I had participation. And there's no joy in getting participation badge. (laughs) We do not run in the race because we simply love running. We run because we want to win. We want to win the race. Philippians 3, 13 to 14, Paul uses this image again concerning his own life in his own struggle, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on. I persevere towards the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. You see, heaven then is the prize of the race. Therefore, no one can see God without persevering. And if you take a moment to reinterpret the purpose behind the pain, the purpose behind the suffering, the purpose behind the struggle, you will push through instead of give up because you see perseverance growing inside of you. The worst things we can ever do is give up on our faith and give up on our life. When the race gets hard, you see people begin to give up on God. They begin to doubt if he really exists, if he really cares When the race gets hard, people begin to have all kinds of thoughts that they have no purpose in life, that they'd be better off not living. They begin to have suicidal thoughts. And I want to see every one of you make it to the finish line without prematurely ending your faith or ending your life. And I just sensed in my heart as I was preparing this message that there are people who are hearing my voice right now or even later this week and you're about to give up on your faith and you want to give up on your life and the word of the Lord for you this morning is perseverance. Persevere. 
Don't give up. We are cheering you on. This event, this circumstance does not define you. You will overcome. You will win. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. At the end of our lives, in 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, be spoken of us, not just because it's a nice Bible verse, but because it was actually true of us. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, I love this part, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Don't stop running, friends. There is more race to be run. And I look forward to seeing you crowned at that award ceremony on that day. Third point this morning, perseverance as a review. Perseverance is a review. Every year at your place of employment, if you're still employed right now, if you're retired, you can look back on your life, remember times where you've gone through this, your direct supervisor ought to conduct a performance review. For CEOs, you have a board that does this for you. If you're wondering how this type of evaluation happens in the church, our deacons have a subcommittee that conduct my lead pastor performance review semi-annually. And the pessimistic employee loathes this experience, but the optimistic employee eagerly awaits this experience. I don't know which one you are, optimistic, optimistic or pessimistic. Some of us only endure it because there might be a financial incentive attached to it, such as an increase in salary or maybe even a bonus. But here's the thing. We need to open our hearts to a theology of evaluation. Without it, we will not know how vital we really are and where we need to grow. And whether you like it or not, Christ is constantly reviewing you. He is reviewing your theological and your spiritual and your missional vitality, the vitality of his church and the vitality of every believer. See, each of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3 received a review mixed with commendations and or correctives. And it is not a church growth consultant that does this, but it is Christ himself who not only knows our hearts and our minds, but who knows our works. I want to highlight two of the seven churches that were commended for their perseverance. And while we study them together this morning, think about what Jesus would say if he was going to review you or he was going to review our church. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The first church we're going to look at is the church in Ephesus, Revelation 2, verses 2 to 3. Scripture says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. The church in Ephesus had been working really hard to discern and test false apostles and teachers. And part of their perseverance is not to believe everything they hear and see, but to test the spirits. And in order to do so, you need to be theologically vital in order to divide what is biblical fact and what is satanic lies. Believers in the church persevered in patience, not turning towards deceptive ideologies. They did really well in this area of their lives. They faced unknown hardships for the name of Christ. And while physically and mentally drained, they had not grown weary, praise God. But yet, while this uh, commendation is true, the Ephesian church's witness was waning. 
They needed to return to two first things. Their first thing is their first love, and the second first thing is their first works. They needed to return to their first love and their first works. Like the Ephesians, many of us have lost the zeal of being a new believer. We've become old believers, and that does not necessarily mean that we are mature in the faith. We may call ourselves Christians, but be emotionally disconnected from God. It's not just about having the right doctrine, my friends. It's about having a real, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't love him first, everything is out of order in your life. The second church we'll look at is the church in Thyatira, Revelation chapter 2, verses 19. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. The Thyatiran church's witness was actually growing. They were devoted to God. They were devoted to each other. And their commendation is the very opposite of that that the Ephesian church received, those who needed to return to their first love and their first works. These believers, their latter love and their latter works were greater than their former love and their former works. However, there is a problem, another problem. This problem was with a false prophet, a person with a Jezebel spirit in rebellion towards God, leading people into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. And her infiltration and her influence was strong and growing upon this church. We may consider ourselves emotionally connected to Christ, but not act like Christians. See, Christ, he advised the weak believers in this church to repent or suffer. Christ advised the strong believers to hold on to what they have to continue to persevere. Friends, what good is our perseverance if we are not going to live in intimate relationship with God? What good is our perseverance if we are going to live an immoral lifestyle apart from God? What good is our perseverance? We must persevere not only to the end of our lives, but until the end of our faith. Two of the things that make me grieve as a pastor is watching people forsake their love for Jesus Christ, watching people walk away from their faith. I believe we have a lot of prodigal sons and daughters that need to come home. It's so easy for our love to grow cold. It's so easy for our hearts to turn away from Christ. And may we take this time, this time of self-isolation, this time of social distancing during COVID-19 to hear Christ's review of our lives and return to him with an undivided heart that will persevere the test of time. Be encouraged, church. You will grow, you will mature, you will be all that God wants you to be only if you listen to his review. As we conclude this morning, a simple illustration that maybe you'll appreciate, the size of the market for athleisure, a coinage officially adopted into Merriam-Webster's lexicon in April 2016, grew 5% each year over a five-year span into a multi-million dollar industry. And the trend accounted for nearly all growth in apparel, footwear, and accessory sectors during this period. People in North American cities started wearing fancy athletic clothes and shoes with brand names like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Lululemon, Puma, Asics, 
everywhere, including to the office. But there's a strange twist in the growth of athleisure. Most people are just wearing it, not actually working out in it. The same article continues, for many wearers, the athletic part of athleisure remains aspirational. For example, sales of yoga clothes increased 10 times as much actual participation in yoga classes over a five-year period. Apparently, we like the workout look, but we don't like the workout lifestyle or the workout practices. So perhaps you find yourself guilty of wearing these clothes, but not actually working out. I know I do. In doing so, some of us dress like an athlete, but we don't behave like one. And I know that if I were in a physical race today, I would not have enough endurance. I would not have enough stamina to run the entire race from beginning to end. And similarly, in our spiritual race, we don't want to simply appear to be a Christian. We want to actually be Christians. When put to the test, we should want it to be known that we trained in perseverance and can endure the challenges of the race. So friends, are you adding to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance? This is how we must train for the race that is set before us. Will you train with me? Will you join in the race and run it that you may win a prize at the end, the hope of glory? Let's pray.